I put myself in the way of things happening and they happen. A famous quote by Theodore Roosevelt. And there can be no other way to introduce you guys to a podcast rightly named When Life Happened Podcast. Buckle up guys for the very first episode of When Life Happened Podcast where we talk to interesting peoples and about interesting ideas. Let me introduce you guys to my co-host for the show, Mr. Raghuram. His full name I'm still not familiar with because it's too complicated. So Raghu, who is the guest for the new episode? Thanks, man. That was a great intro. Today on the first episode of When Life Happened podcast, we have an interesting guest who is an author, poet, stand-up comedian, data scientist, and international podcaster. And his show goes by the name The World Is Ending Podcast. Do check it out, guys. Here he talks about how he spent his interesting words with interesting people in the, his time of lockdown. Hi, Bia. Yo, what's up, man? Thank you very much for yeah. that uh, awesome, explicit, verbose introduction of all the titles and uh, confers that I have had the audacity to behold. Uh, hello, Bia. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome, and, welcome. Thank you, man. Yeah, and I'd like to say that often we use the phrase of things like jack of all and master of none, but looking at you, it feels like you're the master of all and jack of none. But moving on, uh, mm. I'd like to I'll, I'd like to start the podcast by asking you, how has been your lockdown? Yeah, man, my lockdown has been pretty good. And so far, you said about jack of all traits, master of none and stuff like that, right? So mastership or uh, becoming a master is a relative term for me i'm a master of nothing for me i i you know uh, don't know anything properly but for you people as you say as you quote it uh, i am a master of some sort which is very humbling for me so yeah i mean uh, it's a it's a very relative uh, consequence of what you do of, of how people perceive you about man, my lockdown has been pretty good so far. I, I did a couple of things here and there. I started this podcast. I got a job. I completed my degree. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a rough ride because everything has been 2x the boredom that it usually was. But uh, yeah, man, so far so good. Yeah, congratulations on getting the job, Bhaiya. And uh, we would like to begin this podcast from where it all began for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bokaro Steel City. Mm-hmm. So you'd like to know how your school life was and how uh, from a young boy who was just like any, any ordinary kid, you mm-hmm. became this master of so many things. Yeah, man. Uh, I would not place myself on a pedestal you place me on, but uh, I would say my school life was pretty good. Uh, it was uh, happening in the, in the way that a lot of things happened in my school life. Uh, unlike other people's school lives, uh, I didn't really have any personal life when I was at school, which is very extraordinary for people to listen to. Uh, we had a very academically rigorous school where we were very involved in the school activities and the school academia at the same time. So we spent quite some time in figuring out what we need to do and what we need to prioritize about. So my school life was uh, pretty much like me juggling through all of these several activities that happened at school. And uh, I really didn't have any conscious, mindful time where I could just, uh, you know, think of myself as an individual and concentrate on my own growth and stuff like that. So yeah, man, the school was uh, 
a very mechanical very interesting very happening and all sorts of the spectrum of uh, uh the school system that can happen yeah rago no i was saying that you said that your life was a very mechanical life or monotonic mm-hmm. sense in in schools now how do you mm-hmm. think that do do you really think that um, being in a mechanical type of environment in school really changes something or does it really produce a uh, robotic things yeah very good question man i remember sun can sir uh, ken robinson he made the speech about the school scale creativity and uh, rip to that man he died last month uh but man uh, that guy said something very interesting he said that schools are meant to impart education but uh, they are a great source for people to imbibe uh the sense of having an authority over you and i think that is the pretty much the summary of what school system did for me i mean it didn't really make me robotic in the sense that i became an emotionless neutral sounding robot but uh, it made me it made me someone who uh, didn't really have my my first thought was not always creative you get my point right so like my first thought was always like have i been taught this have i been a part of this experience if yes let me reenact on these experiences and um, and you know like the first thought that you should always have to solve any problem should be your own creative thinking and if that doesn't work out you should learn from your previous experiences and then this experience that you had just now so i think in that way the school really did shape me very specifically uh at a generic note bro like the school was not a very uh intuitive place as in i believe that i could have studied everything on my own and been a little more intuitive and learned a couple more things about it but then yeah no complaint so far so i think a much of a life of the school has been same for a lot of people just like mm-hmm. you i have already been in a school and mm. i sort of felt a mechanical life i would rather say because you have to be a very rigorous student to be in the eyes of teachers because mm. when you school and study in schools in this type of environment it becomes like if teacher sees you he gives you attention otherwise if you're mm. not in the attention of the teacher you be- start to become backbencher and of course that becomes a very big thing in indian society what do you feel about that yeah that's a uh, that's a very specific question by the way uh but like you know i i love the question uh the thing is that you need to act in a certain way in order to be in the good books of some sociopathic adults that you call teachers i mean this i have this theory and this hypothesis that anyone who is a high school teacher for a very long time turns into a sociopath that's because uh, your only physical daily interactions are with teenagers and adolescents and your age is far beyond them it keeps increasing and you keep having a repetitive mechanical interaction with kids so that doesn't really help your social skills so your social skills don't evolve but at the same time your age keeps increasing and uh, you turn into a sociopathic creature so that is how i see school teachers now if you want to impress that mechanical robot you want to in- impress that sociopath uh you need to have a specific set of skill set you need to have that algorithm in your mind like you have to do the step 1 step 2 step 3 and uh, the external world that is a society that is your parents that are these people i mean i hate i hate labeling and umbrellaing things um, by saying that this was something that the society did but uh, in a very in a very broad sense of saying i can actually quote it over here very particularly that it was a society which framed this algorithm and they said that you know you need to do these things and uh, 
you need to impress the teacher and you need to be someone on the front bench and uh, stuff like that so we embody those ideas man and we we've you know we understand that this is what we have to perform so a lot of students are just putting up a performance in that regard they are just uh, showing up to school in good uniform because your mom told them to they just are uh, doing things so uh i was not one of those students i was one of the students who was an asshole to teachers i used to just ask them questions i used to tell them where they were wrong or where they were right and uh because they were all mechanical people who were very used to a system that really worked in their own uh dominance they were really not allowed to be challenged by their own psyche so that really you know frustrated them uh although i am an outlier and i don't recommend any student to do that because uh it really didn't help me in the long run i mean i'm not very successful it's not like i asked intelligent questions and i am at a very intelligent position in life so that really didn't happen it was just like and i was an asshole at school i just asked stupid questions and now i was uh, yeah now i'm this person yeah talking about this uh, education system and all the problems the mechanical thing that you talked about have mm-hmm. a very mm-hmm. specific question a uh, few months back the new education policy came in and this whole talk about that the system was going to revolutionize uh, mm-hmm. and there 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 was going to be a huge change this is going to change the course of engineer education but don't you think mm-hmm. that the structure of the schools like mm-hmm. the existence of the schools are are themselves uh, obstruction in the creative freedom of the students like they obstruct students Uh, to learn to be creative and fold them in a particular way of course man of course of course i say that that there is no education in a system the primary paradox of an education system is that there is no education in a system and then there is no system that can exist within an education surrounding you know so uh of course i mean i understand that the the first draft of the national education policy that has recently come might sound very exciting to people but uh, i don't see it as an altruistic measure i see it as a cover up by people who were meant to do that 10 years ago right like i i don't see it in that way i mean i'm a very strong critique of ideas and i really appreciate the government and the previous government and all the other governments for what they have done for us but uh, this particular policy seems like an appeasement policy to students to future voters much more than a policy to improvise education and why i say this is because they all are very aware of the fact that our infrastructure that is embedded in the education system uh, is very programmed to operate within a certain transaction which was our old education system so how efficient would it be to be able to update the entire education system in a few years i i work with this school a uh, very popular international school they are one of my clients and uh, they have innovation labs in their school they have 3d printers they have a couple of other things in their school surrounding uh, i have a brother who delivers robotics chips to schools just to teach school kids about robotics and stuff like that and we have learned from all of our experiences all of our collective experiences that these uh, things really do not work once they are set up you know they're all very on paper i go to schools i do seminars on cyber security data science and stuff like that but i see that it really doesn't work beyond that seminar it's like it's nothing that the teachers want to be done it's just a 
something that's for the namesake. So I don't know about you kids, but I was uh, a part of the first or second batch where the CCE was introduced. Uh, I think you guys remember what the CCE was. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. So the CCE was introduced during my batch, and uh, whenever any interview happened at school, so we used to have interviews at school for school positions. Uh, we were collectively asked what CCE is, and we all had to answer about it. Uh, later on, a couple of things happened at school. You know, the CCE and my school was a pretty decent school uh, in the way that it implemented things. In other schools, I'm not sure how much of. Um, A tragedy the whole implementation was so in my school the implementation happened and uh, many won't believe me like a lot of things just happened on paper we used to have monday tests we used to have things and uh, you know you know the questions came in the answers came in the mark sheets came in and people marked us according to that and it was more of a fear tactic that the teacher had the dominance once again and it was the same pattern repeating all over again the teacher was like you know if you don't behave nicely i'll mark you bad in your cce if you don't do this project i'll mark you bad in your cce you know that kind of stuff started happening so it turned into a threat based transaction and then they had to withdraw the whole scheme so uh i mean as someone who has seen everything first hand man i would say nah not happening not very alluring right now let's see what happens 5 years down the line and we'll see I mean, on paper it's a good scheme, but on paper a lot of schemes are good schemes. So let's see what happens. Yeah, uh, talk with you is about the engineering colleges mm-hmm. in India, especially the tier three colleges. As you have uh, graduated this year only, mm-hmm. we would like to ask you, as you have seen the work life as well as the college, do you really mm-hmm. feel that the engineering education system or the higher education system in general? is compatible hmm. with the industry demands very good question took quite a trajectory uh, i i i think it is compatible i think the modern industry is very vague and it's it's like uh it's like trying to solve the equation of finding its position as well as its speed at the same time you know so you know like a college in itself cannot really fulfill the whole necessary requirement that uh, the entire industry as an umbrella holds okay so i think what the college can do is equip you with the skill set that you can probably acquire the skill sets that uh, you specifically need in your industry job because you see man the industry jobs come in spectrums look at our college placements for example you get a software developer's job you get a customer support job you get some uh sales job you get some guy working in a recruitment firm you get someone working in a testing job so how do you expect an entire college a computer science department to impart that kind of education to every single person you get my point right yeah. so what the college is supposed to do is it is supposed to tell people that this is the way you should learn things in engineering and when you go to an industry you will be able to implement it in that way i think my college has been pretty good in that way i think all colleges are successful in that way i think the indian education system is successful and the the criticism is very unnecessary because you know the the whole idea that there's an industry outside is a very vague idea because who knows what the industry comprises of who knows is there a definition for the industry do you know what kind of industry are you actually targeting 
with fashion schools they know that they have to go to the fashion industry and design clothes so they have to learn that very specific skill set but with computer science engineering or mechanical engineering do you know are you going to work in a car factory or are you going to work in a power plant or are you going to work in a computer science department are you going to do service for your clients you don't know what you are going to do so how do you expect your college to prepare you for that right so i think the college the, the college is doing its most efficient um uh sifting through the entire spectrum of jobs and it is trying to tell people what is happening i think that part of the whole criticizing college is very unnecessary and uh, you know bad yeah so i was saying that uh, this is a important question for a lot of people i think being in a tier 3 college getting into a good job this has become a mainstream question for a lot of people who have been in a professional life so we would to like to ask that same question because you have experienced the professional life of being in a job so we would like to ask you how does being in a tier 3 college and getting a good job are they really in the same page i, I really uh, so so you know what tiers are tiers are actually based on choices so tier 1 college is a college where you just go in because it's your first choice of college tier 2 college is like your second choice and tier 3 is like a third choice so we always assume that you have three choices right in in psychology in sociology in in social sciences you always assume that you have three choices so that's why there's a first world country a second world country and a third world country a tier 1 tier 2 and a tier 3 right so uh if you have a tier 3 college as in your choice of college is the your third choice of college or your college is you know something that would be a third choice for you how do you expect that you would easily get into a company that would be a first choice for so many people because the tier 1 the tier 2 and the tier 3 which is clearly a pyramid the tier 1 stands on top of the tier 2 in the industry and the industry is like a place where uh, people interact and get money right where people operate within their skill sets and get money it's a marketplace so the marketplace is owned by tier 1 individuals or individuals where you want to be in their positions the tier 2 market is where the people are probably running the behind the scenes scenario and the tier 3 is when people are working for all these people okay so yes. uh, uh you know if you are from a tier 3 college you have to compete with a tier 1 and a tier 2 in order to get into the tier 1 job market you get my point like if you are in cs yeah, yeah. your tier 1 could be a farm company and if you have to enter a farm company you know that the entire world is competing you know if there's an american guy and he's getting a job at walmart or he's getting a job at google india he'll probably join google india so the entire world is competing for that farm job you have to understand that and that comprises of tier 1 countries tier 2 countries tier 3 countries tier 1 colleges of tier 3 countries tier 2 colleges of tier 3 countries so i mean yeah the competition is not that scaled eventually but then it is a competition of that magnitude so when i see the tier 3 students are uh, trying to complain that you know it's very difficult for us to enter into tier 1 companies it's a very obvious fact it's a very water is wet fact you know because uh, because entering a company is as easy as uh, uh having a very good skill set and being at the top of your pyramid but being at the top of your pyramid is not very easy at the same time right so uh if once you're already at the bottom of the pyramid the whole friction of getting to the top the whole uh, um you know the force that is exerted by the top for you to not go upwards is is a little difficult to deal with uh 
you know the you know the people who try i mean what's the best heuristic to get into a tier 1 company or a tier 2 company or, or let's say in any company at all because tier 3 is often um, uh told that the students of a tier 3 are not placed often you know the the word placement meaning that they don't get their jobs often so what tier 3 students can do is to be of a tier 1 skill set is to study the books that because because knowledge is an open marketplace colleges aren't you get my point so yeah, if you acquire the knowledge of a of a tier 1 college if you acquire the knowledge of a tier 2 college you will probably be able to compete with them on the same playground and then you will probably be able and i think that's how 99.9% of tier 3 students uh, get their job and i use tier 3 students just because in the eyes of the company they are the tier 3 students they are the third best choice so that's why i say tier 3 students so if if you have money power of force you will be able to easily uh dismantle through the barrier that you have but if you don't have the money power of force you'll have to have the skill set and that will only be able to help you navigate from one position to another yeah it seems like a lot of sharks are trying to have a bite of the whale which is very big but getting you, having a bite what, of it i'll tell you what exactly is happening do you guys know of this thing i, I i'm actually not trying to get into core sciences but do you guys know how a battery operates so in a battery what happens is the potential flows from one pole to other pole right yeah yeah and when you have to charge the battery you have to put in the electrical force so that the charge shifts from the shifted pole to the previous pole so that in the next iteration it can go from that pole to the second pole okay i think the yeah. tier 3 college and the tier 2 college and the tier 1 college are at a respective positions in that wiring the tier 1 college is almost always fully charged the tier 2 college is always 50% charged and the tier 3 college is always 10% charged so until and unless you don't put in that external force to put yourself in a 50% or in a 60% or in a 70% range you have you stand no chance you stand no ground and you stand no audacity to compare with the students that you are comparing with yeah, that okay. was a beautiful answer uh, but moving on from engineering and placement things there's another side of you that as a public speaker you have been going mm-hmm. on stage for 14 plus years and mm-hmm. you are a stand up comedian you are a poet mm-hmm. you are you have been doing so many things including the podcast you recently started so mm-hmm. i would like to ask how it all began how you how you felt and how, how you started off as a public speaker in first place ah oh, uh, okay so that's a very nostalgic question i I I I mean I don't know why I've been critiquing your questions for a while I don't know what's happening here but anyway uh so um I mean I would not call myself a stand up comic that is reserved for the people on YouTube who have 500k plus followers uh I would easily call myself an open micer who goes to open mics and does all sorts of things I do stand up comedy I do poetry I do a lot of other things uh, but why how it all started I would actually call myself a professional public speaker because that's what I want to pursue uh so i'm manifesting that whole idea of a professional public speaker uh but how did it all start was uh, when i was in class 2 uh, or 3 my dad used to do these yoga shows and i used to go and present with him so uh, a lot of people don't know but my dad is a yogi and he performs yoga in different places and i used to go with him and uh, help him with the shows to coordinate to anchor and to do stuff like that and i naturally developed that skill set i don't know uh, how 
you know weird of me it is to say that a naturally developed a skill set as important to me as public speaking is but yeah man i mean i was very very small i was very little i would be easily molded for what i could do and i actually found peace on stage so that's what i did i became a public speaker at that time uh i did debates in class 6th and 7th when we were not supposed to do debates from our school end because uh my mom pressured my teachers and my teachers didn't have any better options but it turned out for the good because uh, i did end up bagging a couple of medals and a couple of things happened so uh, then it all started as a very intense passion for me before that i was a part of this cult called iskon where i was uh, narrating uh, shrimad bhagavad gita i was uh, narrating the shlokas for people so i was very proficient in sanskrit at that time uh, i used to do shlokas i used to do mantra chantings at public places i don't know like for a 5 year old a public of i mean for a fifth class student of public place would be any durga puja pandal or something i would just go there and chant mantras and stuff so that was where i was when i was in class 5 i was already doing stage for like a couple of people for some important venues in my city uh, that my city could afford and till that time i had already written a bunch of poetry had gotten published in hindustan times in hindustan and all that and that's not an achievement you know because if you're a kid you just write about anything the papers are like yeah man that seems cool let's publish it okay but i'm just telling you you know it was something that had happened for me yeah. okay so i was published in a couple of newspapers and then in class 6 i started doing debating and i'm like yeah this is something that i want to pursue and you guys would be surprised that i didn't know english back then i mean i knew english i know how to speak english i was in an english medium school but i could not converse in english for more than like let's say 4 minutes or 5 minutes okay so i used to do everything in hindi so everything that i used to do was in hindi or sanskrit uh when i came to class 10th i realized that my whole hindi audience has been saturated and i don't have any other hindi audience like i've performed i'm probably the most famous public speaker in my own city which is uh, which is nothing which is not an achievement because there is no one who lives in my city who is sensible and uh, uh kind enough to critique public speaking commentary but yeah man like i was the most famous public speaker in bokaro steel city so um that was the title that had been conferred upon me my school gave me a couple of prizes i had won 30 40 plus debates and i was like okay now is the time when i need to switch to english so i started speaking in english and i was like yeah this language isn't that bad after all i mean i'm not very comfortable speaking in english still because i don't think like it's it's something where i can naturally express myself but uh I started speaking in English and people started to enjoy it. So I had the uh, privilege to build up my accent from uh, start and uh, I worked on it. I hired a voice coach and a couple of things happened and um, yeah man and that's how it all started and that's how I thought you know like I can be the man on stage so when I moved to East India that is Odisha I was able to leverage all of my skill set and experience in order to become uh, a professional speaker which, which which is what I would call myself. yeah as you were discussing about your nostalgic feelings when you when you said about debating and all i got reminded about you mentoring me for my debate competition and i when i won that the state level debate at kit mm-hmm. I, i i guess you remember that raghu was also there yeah i remember it i remember it yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i was really happy and it was all because of you like you mentored me uh, yeah thanks man really that's very humbling man. man yeah and moving on in the public speaking area I really like to talk about your podcast specifically one episode that I'm curious to know about mm-hmm. uh the episode where you interviewed a corona patient Oh interesting one of my favorite episodes man go ahead go ahead 
yeah so the question is like you were on a roll you're interviewing 21 people on 21 days and it was a big hit by then like mm-hmm. i i feel that i feel that at least and it was a big hit so uh yeah i was so, successfully able to convince my friend circle to talk about it it was a big hit for me yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, no, that's the important thing yeah so yeah, the yeah. main so the main question uh, i want to ask you about that episode is how difficult it was mm-hmm. for you to interview a person who is suffering from a disease which is causing a pandemic and the whole world is practically shut down like was a pressure on you doing that episode going into that yeah episode? it was a pressure on me man like i did an another interview with a cancer patient okay and the cancer patient was a uh, a humorous guy he has recovered from cancer three times he has traveled the world twice very interesting person i also recommend you check that interview uh when i was doing this interview with the corona patient i had this idea that if you get corona virus you will probably die i'm a uncle at that idea my entire family at that idea so i was like i used to i want to use this chance to you know just uh, interview a corona patient and learn much more about corona virus so uh, i was on instagram i was just looking for people if they have posted their pictures with masks and in hospitals and stuff and i found this uh beautiful lass who's posted a picture uh she's probably from south africa and i just texted her hey i host this podcast would you want to be a a cor- corona patient and corona wasn't very popular in india back then you know now i can easily find a corona patient uh, in my bloodline in my family okay and uh, these people i mean it was very difficult to find a corona patient back then there was when the entire world was crying for italy as if that was the most important thing to do uh i I uh, found a corona patient on Instagram. I found that she was doing something uh, related to masks, and she had like, "I'm suffering from COVID, guys, but I'll be fine" and stuff like that. So I just texted her randomly, and I mean, this was the easiest guest to find. All respect to her. I mean, very much thankful to the person who did the interview for me. Uh, she wanted to be anonymous, so I just keep her that way. So uh, it was difficult to find her, and uh, it was not difficult to find her. I'm sorry. and i just texted her that uh, you know you want to be a part of my podcast and i'm doing this and she's like yeah i don't have anything better to do i'm quarantined and let's do this so uh, when she came on the interview i realized the gravity of the situation right like my entire family in the first place is scared of this disease they'll all be listening to this episode if i'm not able to pull this off properly and if i come across as insensitive and let's say hypothetically by the way she's alive and let's say hypothetically she ends up dying it would be the weirdest experience that i could possibly had of interviewing someone who could potentially die and that thought crossed my mind and i was very very nervous in doing that interview so i just told her for every question i was like you know i hope i'm not coming across as insensitive but uh, you know this is my question to you so uh, yeah it was a little difficult to me because uh, you know i have a very strong moral compass in that regard and uh, it was a little little taunting to just ask questions upfront about her own suffering without uh, trying to be understanding in the first place yeah uh, that was a beautiful answer and we completely get that uh, one more question on your podcast if you don't mind uh, i was very curious oh, as very curious when i heard your podcast and i've listened most i've listened to almost all the episodes uh, like as i know you sca- you started from scratch you had no contacts basically from there you are interviewing people like ankush uh, ankush mohor i guess if i'm not wrong anshu mohor anshu mohor yeah 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 sorry anshu mohor and other celebrities as well so how was that journey like in 21 days starting from the scratch just 
wanting to start i mean the more i mean i'm not very sure when people ask me this question i'm not very sure how to answer it because the most difficult part was not to get celebrities to say yes okay and i'm very grateful for all the people who said yes but it was not the most difficult part the most difficult part was to get the yes in within 24 hours like i had to ask someone and if they said yes i had have to be like let's do the interview within 6 hours because i have to edit it in next 18 hours and i have to publish it tomorrow right yeah. so that was the most difficult part of this whole, whole experience that was because uh, i didn't exactly know how to convince these celebrities in that less of a time frame so i started to optimize my copy i started to rewrite the whole uh, invite copy and i used to be like you know I'm doing this podcast where I'm interviewing 21 people in 21 days. And thankfully, it turned out well, man. Like, people agreed to do it. I texted Avanti on my first episode only. I mean, I was like, Avanti, let's do this. And I, she told me that, text my manager. And I had a PR team, uh, which was specifically two class nine students who were uh, distant cousins. So I'd ask them to just drop my email to uh, the celebrities. Okay. And I just gave them Avanti's phone number and uh, sorry, Avanti's email address. And I told them that, uh, mate, please go drop this email to Avanti. And uh, Avanti agreed. And she was the person who took the most amount of time, which is understandable. She's a big person. But uh, I, for all other people, what I did was I moved to Instagram. I'm like, this is the personal DM. I'll probably just mail everyone on Instagram. And I use Facebook groups and I use a lot of other things. So I approached I approached aggressively and if I got a reply late, I would not revert back. I know, I know that's a bad move to do, but I would not revert back. I had an official email signature, an official sounding email address and everything else. So yeah, man, it, it turned out pretty well. I mean, it turned out pretty good. I, I learned so much in that. I learned about PR and learned that how people are not actually celebrities. People are just people. And uh, if you approach them kindly, if you ask them good questions and, uh, if you approach them at the right time, they'll be available to do things for you. They'll be available to give you a favor, which is what I think they did for me. They gave a normal like me one hour of their time, which is a favor for me. You have an interesting PR, I must say. Uh, moving on from the podcast, that that is and uh, was the reason we wanted to start your podcast for the reason that we got inspired. By hey man, that's very humbling. That. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, if you are open to discuss about a few other things, I would really mm -hmm. like to uh, ask you things about your Quora, Quora answers. Like, oh, okay. Sure. That. So, so we're going all over the place. We're like, okay, let's start with the school. Let's start with the college. Let's go over the yeah. podcast. Let's go over the public speaking. Yeah. And then your fucking uh, Quora answers. Okay, <laughs> cool. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have basically tested everything else. But I was, really, I was really intrigued by your answers on like your interest in answers on dating related questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, there's a question on uh, does idea work or look matter, something like this. Uh, uh -huh. And you had a you had a great story on that, and that answer got more response than any other particular answer of yours in other domains. So how do you perceive that? Man, I'm not sure how to answer that one. Uh, I think I think how I write on Quora is like when I'm very very frustrated when I'm at that pinnacle of frustration what i do is i go i resort to writing i start writing and ranting so uh, earlier i started quora back in 2016 where i used to write about scams and i used to reveal scams and uh, i was working with a political pr team and uh, things got weird for me and then uh, my account got banned and a couple of other accounts got banned and i was like i'll never come back to this website but then i started writing again in 2018 i think where uh, 
I started writing about random things about tech and I used to write one answer in like three months. So it was nothing very, very conscious. I was in Patna. I remember when I wrote a viral answer about my experiences with Tinder uh, and that answer went very viral. I received a lot of DMs on my Instagram. I received a lot of followership on my Instagram. I received a lot of DMs in my Quora DM inbox. I started to look into the scam in Quora, which was about a guy called Niladri Sarkar. And then that thing happened. Uh, that was quite a journey because, you know, we had to get that guy arrested and all of that. I, had, I have answers about that. Okay. Uh, after that, what happened was like, you know, I didn't really have any content to write about. So I started, essentially, I started writing my first dating advice, quote unquote, was because I wanted views on Quora, to be very honest. And uh, I did get views on Quora, but I was like, you know what, people are not actually giving good advice. I used to read Andrew Ferebi, who's a very popular Quran. So I, I saw Andrew Ferebi and I'm like, you know, man, I can also write like this. Probably Andrew hires a, a copywriter or he hires a ghostwriter to do his Quora. But I thought like, you know, I can do this as well. So I, I started writing and I started writing in my own distinct style, which was uh, what stuck with people. And people were like, I really relate to what you write and what you do. And I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, that's cool. I mean, I write when I'm very frustrated. So if you relate to that, uh, I'm actually doing something good out of my bad times. So yeah, man, that's what happened. Okay. And I, how I perceive my one answer about uh, attractive or unattractive people, to be very honest, man, I'm not sure about the statistics. I don't know which answer is more popular and which is not. But uh, if that answer is the most popular answer, I'm very humbled. I mean, I'm very sure people could find some value out of it. I'm very sure uh, that's why people have voted it because people are smart and people are intuitive and people are intelligent. Uh, but uh, most of my dating advice is something I really, is very actionable for me, which has worked for me, which is something that I've used in my day-to-day -day life. And they are my stories and they are my empirical experiences. So, I mean, for people who want to, pursue those advices i mean uh, feel free to do it because if it worked for me it might just work for you uh if you have to give a small a short advice to the people who are listening to this podcast about dating and relationships what it would be uh i mean i would just say to people that don't be very afraid of approaching people you know like uh don't be very afraid of being an extrovert i think this is a very good life advice in general not exactly a relationship advice as you asked me, but this is a great life advice in general. I mean, I'm dumb. I, I don't really do much in terms of academ academia. I don't do much in terms of uh, what I do. But uh, what I do have going on for me in, this term, in terms of this podcast, in terms of everything that I've done in life is like, if I have an idea in my head, I'll probably just execute it, which is what you kids did. And that was super fantastic. So uh, what I do, I mean, what I can give us an advice to people is like just go and approach people just say hi to people i mean just make new friends just uh tell people out there that you're available for uh, a relationship or uh, for something less than a relationship or something more than a relationship i mean just keep telling people what you need keep telling the world that what you need and probably i mean not exactly don't be like you know you meet a person on the road and you're like hey man so the thing is i'm actually single so I'm like, okay cool now have a good day not that <laughs> But, uh, you know, like just keep telling people what you need as in just make, keep making yourself available, keep flirting with people, keep uh, appreciating people when you see them. 
I think that's how that's how I operate in the world. I mean, I don't really have any expectations from anyone at all, which is how I see people should conduct themselves. You know, if you appreciate someone, people are not. Um, people don't have to give back the appreciation to you. You know, so yeah. people don't owe you anything. You know, people don't really have to be nice to you if you're nice to them. I mean, I mean people are fundamentally nice, but if they're not, it's fine as well. you know so i mean uh, but still if you see people if you see good people if you see nice people the very first thing that you can do is to just appreciate them you can just go up and tell them hey man your look, dress looks good it's a guy it's a girl it's an old lady it's anyone you just go up and tell them okay just tell people that your voice looks good your uh, you some something anything i mean i i love people's voices i judge people by how they speak so i'm like okay yeah your voice is very good it's fantastic your dress is good the yellow shirt suits you you know something like that uh people can do anything that they want to i mean that's the best relationship advice that i have and if, even if you are in a relationship just go and approach people always make yourself available in the market never be stuck out because you know if you don't if you if you are always a part of the relationship market you always keep improvising yourself in that regard once you just stick to a relationship you are like ah okay this is something that uh, that i've done and i've achieved and i don't need to work on myself So if you just make yourself available, if you don't think too much of a relationship, if you don't take these things very seriously, you'll end up working on yourself consistently, and you'll end up, you know, becoming a better version of yourself. If it's the most cliche thing that motivational speakers sell you for two hundred rupees, ah, uh, but that's the that's the thing that you will end up becoming a better version of yourself every single day because you'll end up improvising yourself because that's what that's what you want. You want a good. you want a good time when you hang out with people so that's what you do you improvise yourself you get better at your own social skills and uh, that's how you you uh, always have and always inculcate healthy relationships and that's how healthy relationships are i mean Asking please don't advice. confuse this with cheating please don't confuse this with cheating i'm just no, saying no, have no. a good no, no, extrovert no no no, no 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 it's a very important thing i'd rather say because we have been living in a life where talking to other people have become a great thing like yeah talking to people it's a really important factor in life like i have been in school a lot of people were afraid to talk to other people like i had different sections and from section b people coming and talking to section a students or girls or boys it become a great thing until class 10th after class 10th because of 11 12th people started to get matured and they started to talk but nearly bro i think that's I a think... natural process of evolution i mean people in general are very shy ragu if you if you look at people people in general are very shy how many people have you randomly met in an open mic or in a show you guys do open mics right mm-hmm. how many yeah. people have you guys met in open mics and you're like i mean we are best friends right now yeah yeah how but that situation has changed and are still friends with how many people do you meet on the train and are still friends with That's no that's very less no i was saying because it has changed the scenario has re- really changed because when i see uh, my sisters she's reading the same school i used to read her class students are very much changed because they start to talk to any random people like her junior started to text me hi be aware are you what are you doing like yeah i'm fine i'm doing this thing that thing but you can see that the change in the shift of the paradigm of how people are perceiving other people to talking or people becoming extrovert that has really changed that's a very positive change i mean I, i what i have observed is people have become in, become increasingly ex- introverted not extroverted but if in some part of the world if in some nook and corner of the world people are becoming extroverted i mean man you guys are blessed okay uh we, what i see people are very very easy on the internet they're very easy when they have to talk online that's so, a reality check on. yeah and as really as really intrigued by raghu talking about extrovertism uh, raghu being raghu 
uh, and yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, so my final question yeah rago what is this you are an introvert you are talking about extrovertism what is this <laughs> that introverts are just people who are uptight and they have the reasons to be uptight man they're private people let them be private people i think that's how you operate when i say you have to be extroverted i mean when you are in a social gathering and let's say someone approaches you and says hi just respond to them don't run away from them don't be creeped out by that you know women have that perception of social values they are like they're 15 and they know what is right and what is wrong men don't Meant on twenty five, and they're like, I still don't know what is good in a conversation and what is not, <laughs> right? So when someone says hi to you, you can just go and say hi back, right? That's way too personal. At least be yeah. that much. Yeah. At least be that much extroverted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would like to ask you one last question before ending the. Sure, man. Just here, uh, you have had a crazy journey, like a roller coaster ride, throughout your life till till date. How you look back at your life? I mean, do you have any regrets or anything that you, if you could go back and meet a fourteen-year-old Ankit, what advice would you give yourself or anything? Oh, those are two very different questions, Prashant. I would, I would, I would do is, uh, I think, I think my life has been pretty good, and I'm looking forward to more adventures, more craziness. I'm looking forward to more debauchery. I'm looking forward to more discipline. I'm looking forward to. a lot of other things i mean that's how that's how i want to operate in my life i don't fundamentally want to operate in in a life in a paradigm in my life where i am stuck i'm i'm made to follow um what i don't want to follow i i want to do it for as long as i can so that's how i see my life okay and i don't think my life has been a roller coaster much i mean i want it to be much more dramatic than what it has been so far about uh, what advice i would give to my 14 year old self it would just be that you know you'll get 20 at one point don't behave like you're 20 <laughs> that's advice that's the advice i would give my 14 year old self okay that's that's a sum total of all advices because as a 14 year old i was an overthinker i was like hey people will think this about me and then this will happen not nothing will happen man like not nobody thinks about you nobody thinks about a 14 year old in their 24 hour Uh, you know date no one thinks about a 80 year old grandfather in all 24 hours of the day you know nobody cares your parents don't care about you bro your grandparents don't care about you you know you just you just have to have to understand that if you're not born to your parents and you were born to your neighbors your parents would not care about you as much as they do right now so it's very pointless the whole point of this whole world is nihilistic and pointless i would not say that way but like you know you know to some extent it is people really don't care about each other people are individuals at the end of the day so i would just tell my 14 year old self i mean as a 14 15 year old you just thinks that people you think that people matter you think that opinions matter you think that you have to operate within their framework but i would just tell people that you know you'll get 20 at one point you'll get mature just observe right now your observations will be useful to you later on so that's what i would tell my 14 year old self thank you thank you so much it was lovely talking hey, to man, you it was a pleasure it it was lovely talking to you uh, it was like it was like very insightful of a discussion we we didn't plan anything we just went into the discussions uh, hey man thank you very much i hope i hope this brought in some value for your podcast yeah, i mean very good luck yeah, for your yeah. podcast very very good luck yeah. for your podcast i hope this turns out to be good content for your people uh, 
and uh, i'm so thankful that i was your first guest i think that's a huge position to be in that's a huge responsibility and i hope i was able to do justice to it yeah of course i think yeah, you yeah, did completely do that did that on a closing note i'd rather say ankit has been a great guest for our the podcast and we had an interesting journey in the whole podcast so let's have interesting guests in the next coming episodes thank you ankit hey, for coming and hey, coming in the episode and please great everybody job, do great check great. out the world designing podcast also subscribe to these people man if you're listening to this on spotify and anchor anyway just favorite this podcast subscribe thank you whatever you can 